All right, good morning. We are so glad. Wasn't that good worship? And boy, that redeemed song. I want you to know something. In case you ever wonder why we're here, it's because of redemption. We don't sell Dorsfield Baptist Church. We don't sell being a Baptist. We don't sell us being better than anybody else. We're redeemed. <laughs> and if that don't get your motor going, friend, you need to go Sears and get you a new battery. Because <laughs> you're dead in the water, man. I am so glad to be with you today. We're in the second week of our series that we're entitling the 10. And we've got like, like nine different you know, sub-themes going on. Uh, the video last week just didn't work for anybody that I talked to. So we've got a new video that I think will be more pleasant to the ears over the next few weeks. So we've got now trust and obey. We've got, we've got love God, love people, which we're talking about today. We've got the 10, they're more than rules. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. So we've got like nine different sub-taglines going on at one time. But the important thing you need to know is we're looking at ancient truth. But we're going to bring it right up into the 21st century and see how it applies to our lives. And I'll tell you what's amazing to me. I've been a Christian now for about 40 years. Those words come out of my mouth and I am amazed. And then I've been pastoring for about 33 of those 40 years. And I find that amazing. But here's the most amazing thing. I wish I could tell you I'm the the best Bible scholar, and I spend hours in the Word of God every day, and I know Greek and Hebrew and about 17 other languages. But that wouldn't be true if I can tell you this. I'm still amazed at the Word of God. I'm still amazed how that as we journey through life, you know, as we do the Jesus journey, as we go down through life, every time we crack open the Word, I crack open the Word, I just learn different things. I learn new things. And, and, or, or I see a greater observation in the Word of God. And that's what happened as I began planning for this series. It was in there. I saw it all along. I, it was part of, just part of the way I, I planned the messages. But as I studied this week, I'm just amazed at the power of this truth. Now, here's my concern. My concern is that if we're not careful, we won't grab a hold of it. And I'm afraid, here's the truth. I, I'm afraid that, that if we don't get this, we're going to miss everything. Everything. You're going to see that. That's just not my opinion. That's what Jesus says. So it's just huge that we really get a hold of this, that we see the main thing, the, the, the big thing that's happening. Because sometimes it's easy to miss the obvious. Now, I'm about to do something that I very rarely do, and there's a good reason. I'm going to try to tell a joke. What worries me is, one, I'm not a good joke teller, and it's got words that I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce right. So just... Take it as part of the joke if I ruin these words. Are you with me? Okay, here we go. So, the Lone Ranger, and see, I'm sitting on the front row going, was it Tonto or Toto? No, Toto was the dog. And see what I mean? I, I'm not a good joke teller. It's not going to work. So, so, the Lone Ranger and Tonto stopped for the night, and they were camping. And they set up their tent and went to sleep. So, in the middle of the night, the Lone Ranger wakes up Tonto. And he says, Tonto, wake up. And he goes, tell me what you see. He looks up, Tonto looks up. And he says, I see millions of stars. And then the Lone Ranger said, and what do these stars tell you? Here goes. He said, well, astronomically, 
That's way too many syllables for me. Astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of stars and perhaps millions of galaxies beyond that. Astrologically, it tells me that Saturn is a part of the constellation of Leo. Chronologically, it tells me it's about 15 minutes past 3 in the morning. Theologically, it tells me that God must be powerful. And we are so insignificant that he created all of this. Here it goes. And meteorologically, it tells me that tomorrow we're going to have a pretty nice day. And then Tonto says to Lone Ranger, Kimosabi, and what do these stars tell you? And the Lone Ranger said, someone stole our tent. <laughs> what do you think? Huh? <laughs> you don't know how much I practice that. <laughs> but that, but you understand, you understand that, that, that Tonto missed the main point. And that's what we have a tendency to do. And I'm going to show you real clearly. I really think it's true that we miss this main point. And it's not as hard as you think. You know, my wife, Judy, I was thinking how fun it would be to put pictures of Judy up today from a time period I'm going to tell you about. And you know, did you know that Judy went to school in South Georgia and, and that kids in her class, in her like first, second, third grade class, didn't wear shoes? I mean, we're talking about rural South Georgia. Did you ever go barefooted to school? Yeah, she did. See? A real Georgia peach. And then, and then as you're going to hear in just a moment, you know, later on she started wearing glasses. Well, here's how that story went down. So one day they're driving down the interstate with her mom and dad, and, and Judy says to her mom, what does that billboard say? And so her, you know, her, her mom says, well, read it. You can read. And she goes, I can't read it. So mom takes her to the doctor, okay, and discovers that she's like two points away from legally blind. And you ask the question, so how is it that she was able to go to school and still succeed, you know, and still be able to pass? And the answer is this, her last name was Allen. And back in those days, particularly in South Georgia, because they weren't very creative, um, they would go like people with A, set at the front, B, a little further back, C, D. So if you're like Z, like you're in the gym somewhere, okay? So, so because her name was Alan, she always sat near the front, and that enabled her to see. And I'm not so sure that's not how it is with us and God in church. That sometimes because we sit so close to the front, if you will, we're on the front lines of the Bible and teaching, it's awfully easy us to think we see the truth when sometimes we don't. So you want to take your Bibles and look at Mark 12, and let's see if we can rediscover this truth, and more importantly, the priority that it has. And I am hoping, like, we'll go, wow, we have got to get a hold of this. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 28. The setting is, as typical during this time, Jesus has been debating with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They've been asking him all these trick questions, trying to get him tricked up and given a wrong answer. You can't do that. Don't mess with God. Don't mess with Jesus because they're way smarter than you. So he answers all the questions. And then this scribe who's sitting over here, so we're standing over here, kind of like with his arms crossed, and listening to Jesus. And he realizes that this man was no ordinary man, that this man was incredibly smart as he gave really good answers to these trick questions that the Sadducees and the Pharisees were asking. And so, so he walks up to Jesus. Now listen, 
This is the only time that Jesus commends a scribe, or a Pharisee, but a scribe in particular, an expert of the law. And so this man comes in sincerity. He's not trying to trick anybody up. He just simply wants to know. And he asks this question. Verse number 28. One of the scribes approached, and when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? Now, that is a really good question. Of course, you know, that's what they did. That was like, you know, if you're an accountant, you crunch numbers. If you're a mechanic, you work on things. That's what you do. If you're a teacher, well, you teach. Well, that's what these guys do. Now, most of us would walk around, you know, walk up to our wife on a Tuesday night and go, so what do you think is the greatest commandment of all? We wouldn't do that, but that's what these guys did. They analyzed the law, trying to find out how, you know, which one would be the most important in priority. And this was hard because, listen now, listen, there wasn't ten. There was over 600. And they would analyze all these laws trying to say, well, this is the most important and this is why. So he asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important? And Jesus responds pretty quickly. And and again, don't miss this. Don't gloss over this too quickly. This is the most important. Now, Now, when Jesus says something, this is the most important. Do you reckon we all pay attention? Now, If you're a believer here, and by believer I mean that you believe that Jesus died on that cross for your sins and you reached a point where where you uh, turned from your sin and you chose to become a Jesus follower, okay? Uh, That's that's what I'm talking about. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your ears ought to be going boop, boop. I mean, they ought to be picked up. You ought to be listening because your Savior, the man who died for you, the greatest teacher in the world, says this is the most important. Now, what if you're not? What if you're here today because someone promised you lunch? What if you're here today because you thought you needed a new start in your life and you don't really have a whole lot of information about who Jesus Christ is and you're really not sure there's even a God? Perhaps you're there today. Well, let me tell you this. Let me tell you why you ought to listen. You ought to listen because of who Jesus is. Not that he's the son of God because you'd go, I don't even believe that. But the fact that we're talking about a guy who lived 2,000 years ago that no one should know about. I, I, every time I tell you this part, I just love it. I mean, he was from a town called, a region called Nazareth, a Nazareth region, the town of Nazarene, you know, Nazareth. And he was, he, I mean, he was like the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, he had not, he didn't travel very far from his home, had no degrees, nothing. I mean, every reason in the world not to know anything about him. And yet today, today, over 2 billion people associate Jesus and God together. And the fact that we know more about Jesus than we do all the Roman emperors combined, all those guys, the big dogs you studied in high school, we know more about Jesus than we do all of them put together. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, that he's the son of God, whether you believe in God or not, when we're talking about someone 2,000 years after they died, not to mention the rumor that he predicted his death and resurrection and pulled it off, you need to listen. It's worth listening to. So regardless, whatever about Jesus is about to say, we need to pick it up on. If we believe in him, boy, you need boop, boop. And if you don't believe in him, you need to listen anyway. Because, again, someone that significant, they even changed the calendar. They even changed the calendar because of him. Now listen. Here's what he says. He says, well... He starts out with what they call the Shema. And this is something that devout Jews would pronounce twice a day. He says, listen, Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and back in those days, particularly under Roman rule, the, the, the Romans had a bouquet of gods. I mean, they had gods everywhere. There was a God for everything. And yet these Jews believed, in the Old Testament and going into the New Testament, they believed that there was really one true God. And Jesus says, hear this, listen to this. The Lord our God, the one we claim to worship, the Lord is one. Not talking about, you know, if there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's talking about the fact that the, there's one true God, and it's the God that we worship. And then he gives this key word that we're going to hear twice today that is just huge. He says this word, love. Love. And let me read the verse. Love, the Lord, your God. And notice this now went from our to your, it's personal, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. He's saying because this God is the one true God that we should love him totally and completely. In other words, as we come to relationship with him through this cross, through his son, Jesus Christ, we are to love God not like 80%. Not like 90%, not even like 95%, that we are to be totally devoted to this God. If We should love Him in such a way that He's got all of us. Um, the heart represents the affections and, and the delights. So, so God should, when we love God with our heart, our affection belongs to Him. Um, our mind, our intellect, our thought process, the way we process information belongs to Him. Our, our soul. Uh, the, the part of us, our uniqueness, the part that makes you, you, or me, me, okay, belongs to him. And all our strength, all, all our capacity, all our talents. In other words, everything that we are, we should love God wholly and completely. That's what Jesus said. Love. And then he says these words. And then he says in verse 31. See, the guy asked for one command and got two. And the reason why is it's inseparable. Take that home. Write that down. It's inseparable. The second is, and this is the one that's kind of surprising. I mean, if you're like a God person, you go, well, yeah, I'm supposed to love God. But then he says this. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. What? What? Love my neighbor as myself? Yeah, Jesus said. The most, now how much? The most important thing, the most important thing, Thing is love God, love people. Now, now this, this didn't come from me. This didn't come from some famous preacher on TV who pastors tens of thousands. If you're a believer today, the guy that died for you, the man who died for you, the one that you say you believe and trust, he said, love God, love people. And not that that's part of it, that's all of it. It's all summed up in that. Love God. And we're going to make, it's going to be so clear. Love God. Love people. Wow. How powerful is that? But you've got to ask your question, okay, what exactly does it mean to love? Okay? Well, first off, what you probably ought to grab and take hold of, that word love, and I already told you, I've already confessed. I'm Mr. Transparency. I've already confessed. I don't know Greek. Okay? I like Greek food, but I don't know any Greek. The word there is agapo. Agape, some pronounce it agapo. And it's a, it's a sacrificial, dying love. See, see, in America, 
You know, I can say, I love my wife, I love pizza, I love pecan pie, um, I love you. All with the same word. It just kind of gets thrown in the pot and blurred together. But Greek's not that way. You know, there's an there's a eros love, and that's a sexual attraction kind of love. There, there's phileo, and that's a brotherly love. I love you like a friend, like a brother. But then there's this agape word, agapo. And it means a dying, sacrificial, total love. So the first thing you need to know is when God says, you know, when Jesus said love God and love people, he's not talking about like you love pizza. He's not even talking about how you love your wife, although you should love your wife, as we're going to see it as he's saying, we should love that way. He's saying we should be willing to sacrificially give all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. Our neighbors like us, as much as we love us, that's how we are to love. How powerful. You know, I love this scripture. Listen to, listen to the scripture. This is 1 John. Check this out. 1 John 3.16. Remember John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Remember that one? Now listen to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. By this we know love. Okay, Dwayne, tell me. Tell me. How are we going to find love? Okay. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. That's how we know love. So if anyone wants you to find, well, what does true love look like? And we need to know this. What does true love look like? You know, you know I trusted God. We talked about this in Sunday school. I, I trusted God, okay? And it doesn't seem like he loves me. I'm going through something really hard in my life. It just seems like if God loved me, my circumstances are saying, if God loved me, I wouldn't hurt like this. If he loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. If he loved me, this need would be met. If, 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 if. And Jesus said, don't use your circumstances as the definition of love. He says, rather, by this we know love, he laid down his life for us. Now, if you're a a believer, this is your definition of love. Write that down. You need to know this. Because if you have not, if you have not, if you have not gone through a difficult time, and it may have been a loss of a loved one, it may have been a divorce, it may be a child or you hooked on drugs or alcohol, it may have a sudden loss of your job and it was so unfair because the the president's son-in-law kept his job and you lost yours because you weren't him. You need a definition. And that is your definition. When your circumstances shout in your life that God doesn't love you, if God loved you, he would not allow that. Just look over here and remember that. Because that is where a man, God in the flesh, died for you. And that entails, I know this, again, don't lose this. That entails the the most horrible physical death imaginable. That means that which was holy becoming unholy because the Bible says he became sin on that cross. That means all the the pent-up wrath of God toward disobedience and sin was poured out that day. Now look at me. And he did it for you. Now I don't care what else... I don't care what else your circumstance shout at you, people shout at you, God doesn't love you, God doesn't love you, God wasn't there, God didn't, God don't, God won't. You remember that. 
Because that testimony is truer and louder than any other testimony. So love the Lord your God is defined as this. Here in his love that he laid down his life for you. And that won't change. <laughs> we, we've fallen in our love. Well, especially when our hormones are raging and we're 16 years old. We love this girl forever until we break up. And two weeks later, I've got two weeks, two days later, we got us another one. And honey, I love you forever. Two weeks later, guess what? Forever's over and you done got you another one. That's not how God loves. I prayed this morning. I said, God, thank you that you love me. Even like when I fail, when I am so unfaithful, you don't stop loving me. And look me in the eye. That's true for you. If you failed miserably this week, if you fell flat on your face and you said, you know, the, the accuser comes or your conscience comes and says, there is no way that God could love you after that. Remember that. That's your definition of love. Herein is love that he laid down his life for us. How incredible. So, so we kind of get the ought to love God part. I mean, we need to nail that down. If you're, a, if you're a follower, you need to nail that down, that God doesn't want 90% of you. He wants all of you. He wants you to love Him with all of His heart. And when you think about that, how could we not? How could we not love Him with everything? But then there's this neighbor thing. And this is the part I really think we miss. See, have you ever noticed a cross... Have you ever known? And we tried to make this a little truer because most, the, most historians believe that the Roman cross, if it had a, a, a part above the cross beam, it was very short. It was very short. So this is, this is getting pretty accurate as far as what the dimensions of a cross might look like. But do you notice that the cross is made of a vertical beam and a horizontal beam? Do you all see that? There's a vertical and a horizontal. This is the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God. But notice the horizontal. That's the love to your neighbor part. And when they're put together, it forms the greatest sacrifice ever. So if we say, if we, say we love God vertically, we've got to love God through loving people horizontally. Now look at me. This is big. This is big. And I'll tell you why. Because he said, this is is most important. Love God, love people. Now, here's the deal. Listen to a scripture I used last week, week before last. We're going back to that. Everybody reads it at weddings. It's kind of like Psalm 23, if you read it at a funeral, and 1 Corinthians 13, you read it at a wedding. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become like sounding brass or clanging cymbal. In other words, Paul is saying this. Paul is saying that, that, you know, if I could speak with the greatest heavenly language there was, I could even speak like an angel. If I don't have love, it's like somebody taking this thing back here and just beating it. Bom, 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 like a clanging cymbal. He, he says this. And, and though I had the gift of prophecy, I could teach the word of God and I know the word of God. If I had the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and knowledge... And don't have all faith, and had all faith, so I could remove mountains, but I have not love. I'm nothing. So what if you know? I watch me, Dwayne. I can quote all 66 books of the Bible. 
I have books. I have books, Dwayne. I have books committed to memory from the Word of God. Paul would say, well, if you've got all that and you don't have love, it's nothing. And then watch this one. Then he says, he says, okay, okay, check this out. He says, so though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. So here's the deal. In this performance-based world we live in, we want to drag this into everything. Paul would say this. Though you go to church three times a week, though you have the Sunday school pens, and some of you remember this, though you have Sunday school pens for going to Sunday school 15, 20 years in a row and never missing a week, Though you are here every service, if you have not love, it profits you nothing. Though you wear your Sunday best and have not love, it profits you nothing. Though you write a big check to the church and though you write a big check to back to school, if you don't have love, it profits you nothing. Are you seeing the significance? Are you seeing the importance? If you say you love God, then you prove that, you exercise that by loving people. But what do we do? We go to the giant scale. And we say, no, no, no. I prove my love by God by how often I go to church or what kind of clothes I wear or what I check I write. And so this proves my love. No, 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 no. Your heart for people proves you love God. This is easy. Oh, it's really great. Because if we go to church and someone does it, we instantly go, ding, 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 ding. I'm better than you. I go to church. I wear the right clothes. I know the songs by heart. I can sing out of the hymn book without the hymn book because I know all the verses. I don't smoke and I don't chew. And I don't even run around with girls who do. I'm good. And you say, God, look at me. I do all that stuff. And I'm telling you, God would say today, but do you love your neighbor? Who? Who? God, God wouldn't say. God did say, do you love your neighbor? Do you love the person sitting next to you? Do you love the person across the room from you? Do you love the person down the road from you? Do you love the person in a continent away from you? Because God says, love me and love people. That same scripture in 1 John chapter, uh, thir- 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. In fact, let me, let me back up to 16 again. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Did you remember that? Did you get that? And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his heart up from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, he says. Let us not love in word or tongue. But in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes and says this. We ought to be willing to die for one another. Why did Jim Elliott go to Ecuador and die on a sandy beach at the age of 20, I think 26 years old? 
and count it not loss because he loved God and he loved people. Why are young couples today by the thousands leaving the comforts of home and going to very dangerous situations? What's up with that? Because they love God and they love Why will we gather in this building in two or three short weeks on a Sunday afternoon and we will sweat and we will work and we will sacrifice and we will give because we are learning to love God and to love people. It's not that we can have a big name. It's not that we can get on Channel 3 as as Unsung Hero of the Week and say, Woohoo! Look what we did. It's so every pencil, every pen, every pad, every piece of paper we give away that day says... God loves you, and we love you. That's what it's all about, guys. This is not about us. It's about Him, and it is about them. And here's the crazy part. Here's where it just gets crazy. Jesus said, now who said it? Say it a little louder. So, so this isn't even like Paul. But Paul's really cool. I mean, he wrote like a chunk of the New Testament. But here's what Jesus said. There is no other command greater than these. Jesus said that. Greater than all the other commands is love God. Now, before you want to get and clang your cymbal and tell everybody how much you love God and how spiritual you are, I'm going to give you a litmus test. Do you love people? Or do you gossip about them? Do you backstab them? Do you judge them? Do you go to Walmart and look at the people and go, I'm glad I'm not like them. In fact, you probably go, it's really beneath me to go to Walmart, but I have to this week. See, a certain friend of mine who will remain nameless because he gets tired of me mentioning his name was talking about how he was sitting in a mall and people walked by. And some had tats and some had piercings. One lady was extremely overweight. And it's like God spoke to him and said, Are you going to judge him? Are you going to judge him? And I think he said, If not, it sounds good. Or are you going to love them? Guys, we've got we to come to that conclusion. Not because it's the right thing to do. Not because it's the humane thing to do. Not because it is the kind thing to do. But because God said to. That's it. This, Jesus says, there is no greater command than thee. Again, I'm going, wow. Listen to this. Listen, listen to Romans 10, or Romans 13. Now, this is Paul talking. Listen. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Don't owe anyone anything except for a debt of love. In other words, in other words, Could you ever repay the debt you owe for God's love? Is there anyone here who could say, well, I could do, 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 and somehow pay that debt? 
Hey, Jesus, I want to pay you back. I want to pay you back for becoming sin. I want to pay you back for forgiving me. I want to pay you back for suffering. Is there that much in your checking account? You could go to church for a thousand million years and never pay that back. So, so Paul says there's going to be a debt. But here's the debt. The debt is except to love one another. We can repay. No, 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 I'm sorry. We can show our love for Jesus. You can never repay. How, Dwayne? By loving the people he died for. Amen? Loving the people he died for. Red or yellow, black or white. Rich or poor. African or American. Kind or unkind. Loving or not worthy of anyone's love. We can show Christ how much we love by loving others. He goes on and says this. You need to write this down. This scripture is powerful. Verse 9 of Romans 13. The commandments. Okay, we like those commandments. Go ahead, preach. And we're going to preach them in just a few weeks. Do not commit adultery. Right, that's right. Do not murder. That's right. Do not steal. That's right. Do not covet. it. That's right. And what other commands? Oh, he's covering them all. He says that one about committing adultery, that one about murdering, that one about stealing and coveting, and any other command are all summed up by this. All summed up by this. Love your neighbor as yourself. How in the world did we miss that? Why does preacher after preacher after preacher stand up and tell you about sin and you ought to tell about sin and, and preach about this thing and preach against that thing and we all preach against that thing and that thing? But why don't we hear this message more often? If, if Jesus said there's nothing more important than this and if Paul says the entire law is summed up in this, love your neighbor, seems like that will be a regular topic and a regular prayer request for our lives. Love one another. He goes on and says this. And I love it because it's so clear. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Wow. Are you seeing how big this is? I mean, isn't it cool? It like kind of boils down to two things. Love God, love people. And here's the cool part. You're going to hear about it now for the next nine weeks. I think it's eight weeks. When we love God and we love people... We won't commit adultery. You won't steal. You won't lie. You'll honor his name. All it's fulfilled in that. And we're going to see how in the coming weeks. On July the 5th, we use this verse. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Words, in Christ Jesus, keeping the law or not keeping the law has no value as far as salvation goes. None. Zero. Zilch. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Wow. Wow. Paul says it's a thick book, but there's one thing that counts. Faith expressing itself through love. Love God. Love people. I'm going to tell you the truth. You cannot Shout your love for God if you don't do this. The cross is made with a vertical and a cross beam. It takes both of them. It takes both of them.
Well, what do you think the scribe is doing? What do you think the guy who asked the question is doing? He's doing exactly what I'm hoping you will do in about 10 minutes. Here it is. Verse 32. Then the scribe said to him, to Jesus, You are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one else except him. And to him with all and to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is, is far more important than all the burnt offerings and the sacrifice. Did you get that? The scribe says, you are so right to understand that there's one God, and it is Jehovah God. And we're to love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor. And then the scribe says, and remember now, he was a, he was a big keeper of the sacrificial system. He says, that's more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. In other words, loving God and loving people is more important than... now. It's good. Say it clearly, Dwayne. Loving God, loving people is more important than anything else you could do for God. Anything else. I didn't say that. The book did. The book did. Dwayne, I don't want to love her. I'm mad at her. I'm mad at him. He did this. He hurt me. Just telling you what the book says. The book says love Ephesians 4.32, as Christ Jesus has forgiven you, forgive one another. I'm just telling you what the book says. That's what you said you wanted me to do. I don't like that skin color. I don't like their economic status. They don't smell good. They don't smell right. You think you smell that good? Love God. Love people. And the cool part is, is this verse 34. So when Jesus saw that he answered intelligently, I like that. In other words, Jesus says, now get this. Jesus goes, that's a pretty good answer. That's a pretty good answer. It's a scribe. That's a pretty good answer. Look what Jesus says. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared answer another question. Ask another question. You are not far from. From the kingdom of God. In other words, in other words, and again, not stretching it, not stretching it. Jesus looks at this guy and goes, You're on the right track. You're on the right track. If you understand that we are to love God and love people, if you're to understand that we're to love God totally and completely, and, and, an, and an expression of that is the way we love people, you're not far. Now you get the part that we all like to hear. And I look at look at me. I've said that several times. Isn't that weird? Not from your pastor's heart in the sense that I need to soften this. Not from me to make you feel good today. But I want to tell you from my perspective as the leader of the Dorsville Baptist Church, as a senior pastor, we are way down the road on this. I believe it sets Dorsville apart. I'm still amazed. We're in a kind of a summer slump, but we still have over 300 people will come today and worship here today. Many more will listen on the radio. We're not the only game in town. We're not even the best game in town. 
But I believe what sets this church apart is back to school, is missions giving, is judgment house, is a Bible school where kids are loved, where we're willing to spend dollars that we could spend having a bigger, bigger and fancier building and a bus with air conditioning. Imagine that. But instead, we give and we give and we give and we give. And I think that's what sets us apart. And I want to look you down and tell you today, I'm proud to be your pastor. But I need you to understand this too. We're not there yet. We've got a long way to go. But we are on the track. And I'm telling you, you know, Randy, Randy Davis used to say, Dwayne, what do you think about planting a church? Not me particularly, but the association, planting a church in Harrisburg. Yeah, I, I said, well, because there's lots of churches. He yelled, but I really think we need something. Well, let me tell you something. Harrisburg needs churches that will give it away, that will love people unconditionally and love God unconditionally. And I want to say I want us to be that church. And we're all well on the way to being that church. But we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. I know it's hard sometimes. The loving God part is not too hard, except for the, and we don't want to say too much because it's next week's message. The only reason loving God is hard is because there's all these gods that call to us. The, call, the God of prosperity and power and materialistic goods and fame and fortune and a name, they all beckon us. That's really the only thing. If you think about it, loving God's easy because look what he did. But still those gods beckon us. And we'll talk about that next week. But look at me. I know it's hard to love your neighbor. I know it's hard. But guys, look at me. Look what he did for us. Look what he did. And on our, on our best day, on our very best day, we are still like totally lost and separated from God. The biblical words depraved, like a spiritual zero on our best day. And he reached down and extended his hand, metaphorically, he reached down and extended his hand and said, come. And he picked us up. And he loved us. And you know what he says? Now do that for your neighbor. Do that for your neighbor. So, so Dwayne, should I come to church? You kind of said like, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, we want you to come to church. If you want to wear your Sunday best, you wear your Sunday best. That's fine. Uh, you, you want to write checks? We love it. I'm a Baptist preacher. Come on. We love it. But remember this. Love God. Love people. We look at the rest of the law. Now, finally, the sermon title. We look at the rest of the law. The ten. For the next weeks, we look at the ten through the lens of two. We look at thou shalt not and thou shalt through the lens of love God, love people. And I promise you this. Come back. Because it will change forever the way you see and apply the Ten Commandments in your life. The way you apply this ancient truth to today. It can change your marriage. It can change your life. 
Would you bow your heads right there, please? Oh, y'all listen so good. Thank you for your attention today. Now, I, I want us to have the response of the scribe. And not to me, but to God, you would say, God, you're right. We should worship you and you alone. God, you're right. And God, you're right. We should love our neighbor. Because that pleases you more than sacrifice and more than giving. We have what we call decision time, and that's what this is at the end of every service. We want to give you the opportunity to respond. It, it kind of looks like this. Remember at the very beginning I said you may not be, you may not be sure you believe in God or believe in Jesus. But maybe you heard something today about his teachings that you're going, okay, that's profound. I may not understand it all, but that's really profound. And, and perhaps you have some questions. And my friend Brother Brent will be standing down front. And none of us have all the answers. That's what's cool. We don't have to. We simply embrace the undeniable when we can't get to the unexplainable. And the undeniable truth is, it's a historical fact that Jesus lived and died for us. And we would like to invite you to come and know Jesus as some of us know Jesus. Now, if you're a believer today, I'm asking you to be like the scribe. I'm asking you to say, God, you know, they eventually took Judy to the eye doctor. And she got glasses, and she could see like never before. I'm asking you today to look through the lens of the two. I'm asking you today to understand that as, as important as all those other things are, and they are important, we're going to look through the lens of loving God and loving people. And you'll see the world, and you'll see God in a way that you never have. You don't need to come forward for that. But right there, you can make that decision. God, I'm going to look at you and the world through the lens of love God, loving you, and loving people. And then if you're here today and you've been thinking about joining our fellowship, perhaps you've never been baptized and that's kind of a mystery to you, perhaps you want to come and ask some questions about that. We've got some folks. We sent out a prayer request. Lonnie Barton's having a test. Uh, Brother Paul Emery had surgery this week. Um, Ron's still recovering from his surgery. Uh, so much going on. Tina Brown's mom had a massive stroke. Um, last night, the middle night, uh, Mickey and Teresa's daughter-in-law was shocked in the pool. Uh, she's been in the hospital overnight. A lot going on. And maybe you just want to come forward and someone pray with you. We'd be glad to do that. So God, you are great. You are so good. Please help us grasp this truth. Please don't let it slip through our hands. Please don't let the simplicity of it allow it to slip through our hands. Help us to get a hold of us, hold of this great truth, and soak into our hearts. And Jesus, I pray this. In